Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today in our studies going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we are here in chapter number 4, and we've been looking at verse number 15, which says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So we've been looking here at some things related to the catching out of the saints, the event that is theologically referred to as the rapture. And we're now at this point where the Apostle Paul's talking about how we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And that word shall is a word that really creates some confusion for individuals. And it's mainly because they do not understand exactly what that word means. And because they don't understand the meaning of the word shall, <clears throat> that they actually will put their own definition to it. And as they put their own definition, it creates havoc in their understanding of what God is saying through his word. So we're going to start here by actually just looking at the idea of what this word actually means. And so I'm going to start here by actually reading the definition of shall here from Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And, there, and there's actually seven different definitions that are listed here. The first one is, shall is primarily in the present and in our mother tongue was followed by a verb in the infinitive. Like other verbs, I have need to be baptized of thee. I must now sing mournful songs. We still use shall and should before another verb in the infinitive without the sign to. But significance of shall is considerably deflected from its primitive sense. It is now treated as a mere auxiliary to other verbs, serving to form some of the tenses. In the present tense, shall, before a verb in the infinitive, forms the future tense. But its force and effect are different with different persons or personal pronouns. Thus, in the first person, shall simply foretells or declares what will take place, as I or we shall ride to town on Monday. This declaration simply informs another of a fact that is to take place. The sense of shall here is changed from an expression of need or duty to that of previous statement or information, grounded on intention or resolution. When uttered with emphasis, I shall go, it expresses firm determination, but not a promise. The second definition. In the second and third persons, 
Shall implies a promise, command, or determination. You shall receive your wages. He shall receive his wages. Imply that you or he ought to receive them, but usage gives these phrases the force of a promise in the person uttering them. When shall is uttered with emphasis in such phrases, it expresses determination in the speaker and implies an authority to enforce the act. Do you refuse to go? Does he refuse to go? But you or he shall go. Number three. Shall I go? Shall he go? Interrogatively ask for permission or direction. But shall you go? Ask for information of another's intention. Number four. But after another verb, shall, in the third person, simply foretells. He says that he shall leave town tomorrow. So also in the second person, you say that you shall ride tomorrow. Number five. After, if, and some verbs with express condition or supposition, shall, in all the persons, simply foretells as if I shall say, or we shall say, thou shall say, ye or you shall say, he shall say, they shall say. Number six, should, in the first person implies a conditional event. I should have written a letter yesterday had I not been interrupted. Or it expresses obligation, and that in all the persons, I should have paid the bill on demand. It was my duty, your duty, his duty, too. Thou shouldest pay the bill on demand, but it was not paid. He should, you should. And the last one here, number seven, should, though properly the past tense of shall, is often used to express a contingent future event, as if it should rain tomorrow if you should go to London next week, if he should arrive within a month, in like manner after though, grant, admit, allow. So we see that there are a number of definitions here and how these definitions, you know, as they the word has changed, really kind of give that idea of that, okay, now we can change the understanding of the word and how really that this idea of shall, as you're reading through it, has the idea that there's a promise that what is being said is actually really going to occur. And so that's why when Paul is saying that, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not. That the idea is that's a promise that we are not going to be able to do what the Apostle Paul is actually going to be saying here. And the issue is that those who have died prior to the catching out of the saints are not going to be able to. And it says, and actually I've got to reverse that because it's we who are alive are not going to be able to prevent 
those that are asleep that have already died from participating in this event. <clears throat> and that's where that issue of when it's saying prevent here. And again, let, let's look at the definitions of that word prevent here. And again, Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And there are six different ones. A lot of these actually using Bible verses to define them. The first one, to go before, to proceed. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. And that comes from Psalm 119. The second one, to proceed as something unexpected or unsought. The days of my affliction prevented me. And we can see that issue coming up in Job chapter 30. And that's verse 27 in 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 6. The third one, to go before, to proceed, to favor by anticipation or by hindering distress or, or, distress or evil. And that comes from Psalm 59 verse 10. Prevent us, O Lord, in all our doings with thy most gracious favor. The fourth one, to anticipate. Their ready guilt preventing my commands. Number five, to preoccupy, to pre-engage, to attempt first. Thou hast prevented us with <coughs> overtures of love. In all the preceding senses, the word is obsolete. So that definition is, even at the time of 1828, had been obsolete. The last one, to hinder, to obstruct, to interpret intercept the approach or access of this is now the only sense no foresight or care will prevent every misfortune religion supplies consolation under afflictions which cannot be prevented it is easier to prevent an evil than to remedy it too great confidence in success is the likeliest to prevent it so the issue is that as we're looking at this that there's the issue of that is people just looking and go well those that are alive they can't prevent those that are in the dead from rising first and saying that that's you know really just the whole sense of this and the reality you know yes a lot of that is a big part of this and we know that the reason why that this is true is because we know that every individual who has put their trust in the gospel message for today the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures that everyone that has put their trust in that has the guarantee of being part of the catching out of the saints. You know, we've seen how the Apostle Paul talks about this event and shows that this is something that is that true promise of things. We see we go over to Ephesians chapter number 1 and where we see 
the issue of the sealing ministry of the Holy Ghost, we see how in verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians 1, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And how Paul just shows here that guarantee of the fact that we are going to be part of that event and that there is nothing that could actually say, okay, you're not going to be part of this. You're going to be, you know, not caught up or in any manner, you know, and that's unfortunately sometimes people think that there's a way that they could miss it or that they could lose out on being in this event. And that's why Paul has to keep reiterating these facts of what is going on with this event and how even have to say that we can't prevent those which are asleep, that we who are alive, we, we can't do anything that would stop those who've already died. And that's really when it's talking about those who are asleep. It's talking about the fact that they've already died prior to this event. We can't prevent this. You know, that's why you see how the Apostle Paul, over in the book of Philippians, as he's speaking to the assembly in Philippi in chapter 1 and verse 6, when he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that there's a good work that's performed in us that's until this event. Verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere or without offense till the day of Christ. So that we will be seen as being sincere without without any sort of a flaw, that we're without offense, and we're seen those ways not because of anything that we have done. We're seen that way because of what he has done and how what he has done has been applied to our account which then allows for us to be able to be seen in that manner and to be able to participate in the catching out of the saints. We see how Paul writes to the assembly in Colossus. In Colossians chapter number 3, and I'm going to read here the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So, again, we're seeing these multiple promises 
that are actually being laid out here where Paul is speaking of how we as the members of the body of Christ, whether we're alive or whether we're dead, at that event, that we're all going to be able to participate in this. This is why at the end of this chapter, here in chapter 4, with you know, a verse we haven't made it to yet in verse 18, that you see Paul saying, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, because the only way that this whole idea could even be seen as being a comfort to individuals is by the fact that they can participate in the catching out of the saints because of the fact that they have put their trust in the gospel message for today and that there's no sort of worry that they could actually lose out and miss this event. That's why when Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians and speaks to them about how even though he had taught the Thessalonian assembly the truth of this, that they still were struggling with some things because in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, you see how there's this thought process that they had missed the catching out of the saints because they were believing something that appeared to be written by Paul that wasn't, and it shook their faith by believing something that wasn't the word of God. Here in chapter 2, we're going to read, read here starting at verse number 1, where it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God. And so you see how he can show that they're being shaken in mind or troubled, and they're troubled because they're believing that somehow, some way, they were not able to participate in this event and he's having to say you you have a guarantee of these things and this is one of those things that ends up creating havoc for people even today because you have a number of individuals who try to figure out you know i'm going to use some method to try to calculate the exact date of when the catching out of the saints is going to occur. In fact, there's, you know, even going around on Facebook, 
you know, over the last couple of weeks, there have been some posts implying that the catching out of the Saints is going to occur this week. And any of these times at these dates are being set, you know, the what ends up happening is that the date is set and the date comes, the event doesn't occur, and when it doesn't occur, that individuals either have to try to scramble to try to assign a different date to match up with you know what they had just said to try to explain away their failure in calculating it or their faith is so shaken by this failure to understand what the word of god says that they turn around and walk away from studying the word of god from following what god has laid out for us today and it does more harm to them by this happening and this is really where you know these whole ideas of setting dates it creates harm to individuals who start trying to believe this because unfortunately individuals get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and that they just start believing because they everyone so much wants to have this events occur to have it be part of you know the reality say that yes you know we are not going to have to be part of this world anymore because you know this world you know and you see how paul describes it over and over again how he calls you know this world this present evil world or he talks about how we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation he identifies the fact of who has control over this present world you know talking about you know the prince of the power of the air who controls the course of this world and saying that you know i don't want to be part of these things anymore and the way to not be part of them is for the lord jesus christ to come back and catch us out you know we don't have to worry about trying to set a day and time for this event it will happen at the time that god has appointed it to occur what we are to do is to keep functioning as the members of the body of christ you know functioning in the middle where paul says he he saw his responsibility to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery we're to be going out and teaching the word of god helping individuals to see the salvation helping them to come onto the knowledge of the truth so that way they can be ready for when this event actually occurs and that hopefully they'll be able to participate in it because they've put their trust 
in the gospel message for today. Now, next week we'll actually start verse number 16 here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some charts to help you in your study of the Word of God. We have information on how to join our Sunday services and Wednesday night Bible study live as they're being broadcast on Facebook. And as always, if you have any questions or comments on anything in our broadcasts, anything on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.